0: Welcome to Healthy Brain, Happy Body, a podcast from the Northeast Region Biofeedback Society. I'm your host, Dr. Saul Rosenthal. In this podcast, we explore the ever-fascinating connections between brain, body, health, and happiness. For this episode, I'm talking with Dr. Andrea Meckley-Katyana. She's a specialist in psychophysiology, EEG, and quantitative EEG. She's presenting a webinar to NRBS about event-related potentials, how the brain responds to information, I asked her what event-related potentials ERPs are, how they're measured, and how we can use them to understand and improve brain functioning. Andrea, I want to welcome you to Healthy Brain, Happy Body. Thanks for having me. On July 21st, you're going to be presenting a webinar to NRBS uh, talking about event-related potentials and how they enhance our understanding of the EEG and brain functioning. And so I'd like to start with the basics. Most of our listeners know what the EEG is and about neurofeedback, but would help if you tell us a little bit about uh, event-related potentials and what they are.
1: Sure. Um, Well, event-related potentials are, in a nutshell, um, basically the brain's electrical responses that occur in the response to a specific um, stimulus. It can be sensory, cognitive, motor, auditory. Um, And so there are a series of positive and negative um, fluctuations that occur after the individual has been presented with the stimuli. And so by looking at different aspects of these um, potentials is how we kind of look at different ways that the individual is processing um, sensory information.
0: So it's telling us about how... Uh, an individual, how the brain is responding to all sorts of stimuli. Most people, again, th- at least in this audience, so a lot of providers and a lot of people interested in biofeedback and neural feedback, so they'll they'll understand how you record EEG uh, for either a EEG or for neural feedback. But how is measuring ERPs different from run of the mill EEG?
1: So it's essentially the same setup as everyone is already using to record your EEG that you then do quantitative analysis on, um, but it's just one extra step because you know we're recording how the brain's responding to a stimuli, we have to give it a stimuli to respond to. And so we're also doing a task. And so for the system that I'm gonna talk about, um, it's a about a 23 minute go, no go visual, uh, performance task.
0: So go/no go means in some situations you respond, and in other situations you don't. So it's it's often used for attention.
1: Right, right. And the nice thing about this, and, and it is um, very similar to you know a test of um, like the old TOVA, the IVA, things like that um so in addition to getting the erps that you also get that kind of same information um omission errors, errors commission errors response time variability things like that
0: so you're recording the eeg while you're presenting some kind of stimulus and i know for the systems the system that i use in, in, um, in the, it's the same software you're using it's presenting both visual and auditory mm-hmm. uh stimulus uh, but it has to be done you said it's a 23 minute uh, long task, which which is a very long 23 minutes for, okay. for many of my folks. W- why so long? Why does it take so much time?
1: Um, well, for this particular task, um, there is four categories. Um, and so we're looking at four different conditions, a go condition, um, a no-go condition, an ignore, and then an ignore with an auditory beep. Um, so that's the auditory part. The auditory um, stimuli doesn't require a behavioral response. So for that, the system is just looking at how does the brain respond to auditory stimuli. Um, And so for each one of those, there's 100 trials. So the difference with ERPs is that they are very, very small um, compared to the background ongoing EEG. And so in order to actually see the ERPs, you actually have to take a number of trials and average it together. So the background, spontaneous EEG gets averaged out. And what we get left with is just the positive and negative event related potentials. Uh, But in order to do that, because they are so small, you need quite a few um, trials to
0: make that happen.
1: It ends up being a 23 minute task, which some of your clients will tell you is cruel and unusual punishment.
0: I think it's cruel and unusual punishment for us sometimes to try to get the clients to stick with it. But so so you're getting a hundred out of each of four conditions. uh, and So do you need, is it, you need a hundred of them to measure the ERP, or or are you really getting it out of all 400? Um,
1: Well, the different ERPs are, are extracted from the go condition versus the no go condition versus some of the ignore conditions. Um, so yes, there's about a hundred that get average sometimes there's fewer than that, you know, sometimes if there's a lot of artifacts, things like that, those trials get deleted. And so you can do, um, they can be less than that.
0: Now, I know that ERPs uh, have been studied in neurology for a long time. And it, in fact, sometimes if, if you talk to a neurologist and say, well, I'm doing neurofeedback, or I'm doing QEG, they'll look at you like you're, they don't know what you're talking about, or you're a little nuts. But if you say, "Oh, well, I'm measuring ERPs, they at least say, okay, I know what that is. So I understand it's been used a lot for us to understand for, for us to better understand uh, information processing. But what are the clinical values of ERPs?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, what a lot of clinicians say when they start using ERPs that have done quantitative EEGs for a long time, um, they often say that it's just another window into the brain and gives a different kind of view of how the person's brain is functioning um, in a more dynamic way, um, in real time. And so for some of the components, especially when we see, you know, really high amplitude and some of the sensory components, um, it gives us an indication that the brain is responding really intensely to sensory stimuli um, and things like that, that can help not only with neurofeedback recommendations, but just lifestyle recommendations in terms of how to kind of limit um, if somebody is is highly sensitive, um, has a, very high amplitude of, say, the visual early components, um, it suggests an intensity in the system that's usually associated with hypersensitivity. And so, you know, giving recommendations that include, you know, sometimes for kids, wearing sunglasses, wearing a hat, limiting visual input so the system is not so overwhelmed. In terms of like the the P three component, which is probably the most studied, right? Um, most, that's usually what most people have.
0: And I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. P three that that's a positive uptick at three hundred milliseconds. Correct,
1: um, and so that is probably the most widely researched. If you if you start looking for um, ERP, uh, the literature, you know, you'll probably find the most information on the P three hundred. Um, which now is just called P3. But yes, um, it's the, it's the largest positive kind of, um, deviation that occurs somewhere between three to 500 milliseconds after the stimulus. Um, and the amplitude, the latency of it can kind of, can give an indication more of cognitive, um, processing, the time of it, the amount of resources the, the individual has in terms of, um, processing, so low amplitudes, you can often see in issues like with attention disorders, things like that.
0: And is the P3 measured at any particular site? Uh,
1: It's usually measured uh, primarily at the posterior midline or frontal central midline. And this system kind of breaks it down into P3A and P3B, and so they're looked at a little differently.
0: You had said before that uh, we can use the ERP information to help plan neurofeedback. Is there a way for neurofeedback to directly train ERPs?
1: Not that I really get a sense of um I think in general you know we're we're we probably are um, impacting them and the nice and it is it's one way to kind of measure you know what is our effect of neurofeedback even though we're not training these we're not training these directly, but indirectly by changing the way the brain is functioning, we hope to see the, some of these uh, measures change.
0: So there's a lot of value in collecting them, you know, it gives us a, a fuller picture, another window into the brain, and it, it can help in determining some neuro both neurofeedback, but also other lifestyle interventions that may be helpful. H- how do we convince clinicians to start collecting them?
1: For some people, they might decide they get enough information from the quantitative EEG and they don't need anything else. I mean, I think that's also a valid point. But seeing how the individual's brain is responding in real time it helps kind of explain the client's felt sense of what it's like to be them um, a little bit more than just the patterns that sometimes show up in the quantitative eg frontal theta or excess beta things like that so some of the descriptions that come out of this report that talk about latency or amplitude and the various um components Clients seem to relate to a little bit more in terms of their felt sense of how they experience the world and what some of their struggles are. So, for that, sometimes it helps clients understand themselves a little bit
0: better. It seems that there are more systems that are uh, record or are, are sort of developing the software to record them. I know there's relatively recently, I think on BrainMaster, um, they're now recording, and, and the system I use, Amitsar, uh, the Winnie EEG software collects. Can you tell us a little bit about the system your systems you've used and and how to how to choose? Mm-hmm.
1: I've primarily have only done collected ERPs using the Mitzar um, and using B Amplifier. Um, and I've probably spent aside from outside from my dissertation, which I was just looking at just in um G, some ERPs, um, this is probably the only system that I've used the most. Um, and, you know, it it, it comes out of um, Andy Mueller's 35 years of clinical and research um, background. So it's not even though it's probably going to be the first time some people, especially in the States, have heard of it. It's not a new system. Andy has been using this for decades. He's been creating it and developing it um, over the last since. I believe the story goes, he started in about 2002 um, at a meeting in Portugal where um, Yuri Korpatov and Jay Gonkelman were. And so that's sort of how it all started. And then Andy took it, um, collected the data that became HBI Med database, um, and then kind of took it a little bit further. And in the system that he has, he's created sort of this report generator um, that really helps you analyze so you don't have to know right off the bat everything there is to know about ERPs, which because it's quite a bit, um, that actually provides kind of a framework for how to decide if something is high amplitude, low amplitude, early latency, late latency, um, things like that, which is really nice. And then his system is also the ERPs are compared to a database, just like the EEG is. Um, and so it really gives people a really nice framework to decide, is this statistically significant, just like in the EEG?
0: So you can compare it, like you're saying, in the, in the QEEG. I'm not, I'm not sure if any of the other databases at this point include ERPs.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: So I do like to end these conversations with one thing questions. And, and so what is one thing you want the audience to, to take away from this discussion?
1: Um, I think looking at the brain in a little different way that, you know, in quantitative EEG, it's wonderful. It's what we've done for a very long time. Um, but in some ways, it's a little more static. And so looking at the ERPs kind of gives you a real time look, um, a little different look about how your client's brain is functioning.
0: The more ways we can look at the brain and, and th- from the more directions we get, the better, not only do we understand it, but the better we can help our our clients and our patients
1: yeah and I think we're just beginning to learn we've got a lot more learning to go in terms of ERPs and how that relates to doing our feedback and and all kinds of stuff um, it's very I think it's still very new for our field even though it's not new
0: yeah and it's 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 exciting to be sort of at the beginning of this uh, you know I've been doing ERPs I guess for a couple of two or three years now and I just feel like I'm just beginning to understand what they can tell us. And,
1: and what would you say has been the value of adding that in?
0: The the value has been primarily in giving a fuller description of the client's experience. What I tell my clients when I start to go through the reports are, well, what I tell them is that there should not be a surprise here because it's your brain or your child's brain, and, and it shouldn't be surprising to you what we're giving them though, I think is an explanation of the experience that they're often going through without really understanding it or without it being or was it feeling very negative. And I think as we explain, well, this is how why the brain may be or this is what the brain is doing. And this may be a comp- compensatory action. And here's why you may see these behaviors. I think it's really, Comforting may not be quite the right word, but I think getting that meaning is really important. Yeah Well, finally, what what is your uh, what's your one favorite ERP?
1: Oh, I have to pick one. Um You know, I'm always inter I always like the auditory for some reason um, um, And I think it comes from the fact that so many times we call things ADHD that aren't and so a lot of times I find it interesting when we get these complaints about this child with attention issues and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And when you look at the EG, we don't see those features that we usually see with attention issues. Um, and then when you look at the ERPs, you notice the auditory component is late or low, very low amplitude, which often suggests an auditory processing issue. Um, and so I do think a lot of times um, that auditory process- processing issues can mimic or exacerbate attention issues that, you know, unless you're doing psych testing. And I guess that's why it's interesting to me because years ago in the psychiatric practice, we did quantitative EGs and a lot of psych testing. And so we would also see on some of the subtests of like Woodcock Johnson of, you know, these kids were having auditory processing issues, then um, that perhaps weren't attention issues. So that one always kind of stands out to me as being kind of interesting when I see that pattern again.
0: Yeah, that is. And again, it's just a great example of being able to bring another piece of, of data, uh, another, another open another window to understanding what's going on. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really looking forward to your talk. And I'll include the links for people to register. Great.
1: Well, thanks again for having me.
0: You've been listening to Healthy Brain, Happy Body, a production of the Northeast Region Biofeedback Society. Go to nrbs.org to find out more about the organization, including our trainings, monthly webinars and yearly conference. Our guest today was Dr. Andrea Meckley-Katyana, expert in analyzing and interpreting quantitative EEGs. To join her free webinar about event-related potentials on July 21st, or to get a recording Follow the registration link in the show notes. You can also subscribe to the podcast following the subscribe here link or wherever you get your podcasts. We really want to hear from you, so be part of the ongoing conversation and contact us with your thoughts, ideas, and questions. The email is healthybrain at nrbs.org. Leave us reviews as well. It really helps podcasts like this one reach more listeners. Healthy Brain Happy Body is produced and edited by me. The theme music is Catch It, by Coma Media. Be sure to join us on our next episode as we continue to explore the keys to our well being on Healthy Brain, Happy Body.